Are you glad you're here? Yeah, yeah man. If you're watching us online, thank you for streaming and being a part today uh, of Oso Creek Church. Uh, you're a big part, even streaming, whether the kids are sick or somebody's sick or you're traveling or whatnot. Glad you're here with us. Glad you guys are all here with us. God is amazing. Great worship. As we've lifted up the name of the Lord, we plowed the ground of, for, our, for the soil of our hearts for his word. Let's get to his word. Amen. Amen. So let's go. If you got a uh, Bible or a Bible app this morning, let's go to the Old Testament book of Leviticus. Leviticus. All right. And you might, you might be like, Leviticus? What? Come on. Like, Greg, that is such a hard book to read. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a hard book. And, and Leviticus isn't really the, that book of the Bible where you, you, know, you wake up and you're like, you know, let's say you have a Bible plan. You're like, yes, Leviticus. Let's dive in, right? This is that book that when people start a new year and you get that you know, Bible reading plan, maybe you're doing a, you know, read the Bible in a year, you get to, you're, you're all pumped up and you're on fire, but then you get to Leviticus and it's like, oh, okay, all right, oh, and you just kind of, you kind of just start wearing down, okay? Well, listen, there's a lot to learn in the book of Leviticus, right? And we're going to learn a valuable lesson today today. But also we have some a couple of guests with us today I want to acknowledge. One is Dino Rosalind. Where are you, Dino? I saw you earlier. There he is. There he is. He's our missionary to Belize and Samuel Sanctuary. It should be in the bulletin. We sent out a text today. They are, uh, there's, there's, there's trips that are being planned to go to Belize, and that meeting is today. The info's in the bulletin, right? Yes, thank you. So there, it's going to be at like 3 o'clock, I think. If you want to see Dino, see, rush to get him after, after service. He's a very busy guy, but he would love to talk with you, I know. It's so good to see you and have you today, Dino. Awesome. And also, my mom and dad are here from Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Reverend Miss Gregory Isaacs. His middle name's Preston and mine's Alan, so I'm not a junior and he's not a senior. That's okay. But we're, we're glad that they're here with us. They flew down this week, and it's just great to have them in town. And uh, hey, have you guys noticed like all the nice woodwork and things that's going on? And it, Pete, look, have you noticed every week, piece by piece is getting put up? That's why there's still scaffolding in here. So I want to call out two guys, Rick and Lewis. Where's Lewis? There they are. <laughs> giving them the vision, and they have just went to town and gotten a lot of stuff done, and we're doing more stuff. So I just wanted to say thank you guys. Thank you. All right. Let's get to God's word. All right. The last couple of weeks, as we've been talking about, the, you know, God revealing himself through, to us through his various names that we find in the Old Testament, we've covered a lot of them. We only have like three more to go, okay? Um, yeah, and Jonathan's going to be speaking on one soon. Um, the last couple of weeks, as we've been learning a revealed name of God, uh, we've been talking about how the Lord revealed a couple of his names to the Israelites in the book of Exodus, okay? And in Exodus, we found the Israelites traveling through the desert wilderness, heading to the land that was promised to them by God. And as they, as they stopped for a while in, at Mount Sinai, and God gave Moses the Big Ten. You guys know what the Big Ten is, right? The Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, okay? Okay. Uh, God then began to download unto Moses a lot of laws and things that he wanted for his people to live by. And while God was doing, he was preparing them, the Israelites, his chosen people, he was preparing them to live in that promised land. 
The Israelites were his covenant people. They were going to go in and inhabit, and inhabit, inhabit pagan nations, all right? Where they were going was a land, it's the, the land of Canaan, okay? It was a land filled with, with pagan people and pagan worship, and they were going to go in there, and, and God wanted them to conquer them and then to inhabit that land that, that was full of a lot of uh, pagan people. So God had Moses write down these rules and laws that would help his people live distinctly and differently than the pagan nations that they were called to drive out. God had called them and wanted them to be, now get this, a holy nation, a holy nation. And these laws and regulations were means and guidelines in which the Israelites could maintain that holiness. They stipulated every aspect and the conditions of the relationship between God and his people. We see this in the book of Leviticus, pretty much the whole book, okay? And this book also listed the many ways in which they would be different than the pagan nations around them, thus showing all of these pagan nations who Jehovah God was. God was going to testify through them in the way that they lived and thought and acted and behaved differently. They were to be a testimony to the nations around them. Does that sound familiar? Anybody, does that sound familiar? We're called to that as well, right? To be a testimony to the nation, to people around us, okay? And many aspects of this book, Leviticus, also foreshadowed the complete and perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ by repeatedly having the Israelites sacrifice perfect animals to atone for their sins of missing the mark on these various regulations and stipulations for holiness that God instituted, okay? Now, now we've taken the plane off, all right? We're, we're, we're about to cruising speed. Are you with me still? This is your captain speaking, okay? There's going to be no beverage uh, cart going down the aisles. That's okay. God's people were to be different, listen, in every single aspect of life than the pagan nations that they would drive out and then that would surround them, okay? And Leviticus showed them how they should live differently as God's people after they were redeemed from Egyptian bondage and Egyptian slavery. This book answers practical questions of how the Israelites were to walk with the Lord, Jehovah God have a relationship with him, and to live for him among all of this pagan wickedness, okay? These people who did not know God nor worship God. It answers, how will we live as people in a covenant relationship with Almighty God among people who don't even know God or who don't even serve him? Look, this question is just as relevant today as it was when this Old Testament book was being written thousands of years ago. The main foundation for this on how we should live among all these people who, you know, and how we should serve God among all these people who don't know God, who don't serve him, the main foundation for this is found in two verses in Leviticus 20. That's going to be our text today. And it speaks to us volumes today just as it spoke volumes to the Israelites thousands of years ago. Our text is Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and verses 8. Consecrate yourselves, 
therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I want to read these two enormous scriptures again. The Lord says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. God told the Israelites, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. There it is. That's the revealed name of God right there. That's where the Lord reveals himself again to the Israelite people. Jehovah Mekedesh. That's the Hebrew for the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Mekedesh. Now this term, you know, we, we hear that word, the Lord who sanctifies. This term, sanctification, doesn't seem to be a very popular word in the church world today. Okay? There's not a lot of worship songs really with this as its ongoing theme. All right? For preparation of this message, I did a Google search for worship songs that had sanctification as its theme. There were a few, some hymns, but I actually came along a Reddit thread where there was a worship pastor who was asking the community, you know, to help him come up with some songs with this theme because that's what his pastor's message was going to be. And people listed only like three or four songs. What does sanctification even mean? Is this just a, a church word that's thrown around by ministers? Look, sanctification is all throughout the Bible. It's a biblical word that means to set apart for special use, to be clean, to consecrate, to dedicate, and to purify, all right? I know it's a lot of things to write on the creek notes, so I'll give you a few seconds, all right? It's like five fill-in-the-blanks for the price of one, all right? But it means to be set apart for special use, Listen to these descriptive words, to be clean, to consecrate, to dedicate, and to purify. This is what God wanted for his people, the Israelites, as they inherited and conquered the promised land. He wanted a people that was clean and dedicated to him and pure and set apart for him and only him and for his glorious work. A people that would say no to the sin and the wickedness and the evil surround them and say yes to obedience to God and living the way he says to live. Now have times and things changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Has God changed his mind regarding this? Has his desire changed now that we're living in an era of grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Listen to me, people in here and online. God still desires this, a people who are clean, a people who are dedicated to him and only him, a people who are pure and set apart for him and only him and his glorious work. It's tough, right? There's, he's looking for people who will every day say no 
to the sin and wickedness and all the evil that's surrounding us and then say yes to obedience to him and living their lives according to his word. Listen, guys, that's why when, when a minister begins to teach or preach about sanctification, you know what happens? This is why everybody's really quiet right now. It's like our flesh screams out, no! Not that, right? Please talk about something else. That's why people generally do not really deep down want to talk about it because it's all about spiritual growth. It's about dealing with the flesh and saying no to sin. Sanctification, we don't like talking about it because it's about growing out of sin. Do you guys get that? It's growing out of sin and growing more like Jesus Christ. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like that. Instead, people are like, hey, let's talk about how, how God really, 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 really loves us. How he loves us so much. Can we just talk about that? Can we talk about how we can get his blessings? Just to talk about how we can get all the blessings from, the God, from God? Can we talk about how, how life is good for the person that's following Jesus Christ? Can, can we just talk about how we can live our best life now, right? Can we talk about how we can get over our hardships down here and just get all pumped up and leave church high-fiving each other and fist-bumping each other and saying, wow, that was, that was great to be in church today, right? Don't misunderstand me. Messages like that can be good and even biblical. But sadly, as I've listened to quite a few popular preachers over the years and beyond, it just seems like this aspect of Christian living is missing from a lot of popular messages. This theme of sanctification, of growing out of sin, and a message of holiness. I want us to be very clear this morning. God wanted a holy people then in the Bible, and he continues to want a holy people today. Thank you, three of you. Yes. It don't matter. It's true. God wanted a holy people then, thousands of years ago, and he still wants a holy people today. And holiness and sanctification are like super related. As a matter of fact, the words holy and sanctify come from the same root word in the Hebrew and the Greek languages. Holiness is God's design and holiness is God's desire for his people. And sanctification is the process on how to get there. Now, I, I could spend weeks on end preaching and teaching about sanctification and holiness, but I, I promise I won't spend weeks on it today in this message, all right? I just want to highlight, some of you didn't get that, that's all right. Some of you, I, I just want to highlight some things based off our text today. Number one, guys, God is holy. Tell that to somebody next to you as a testament to him. All right, not just as a, just repeat it to repeat, no, as a test of testimony. God is holy. You should notice in your Bibles, in our text, your Bible, that the Lord there is, is, should be spelled with all caps, L-O-R-D. That's speaking of Jehovah, Lord. Not Adonai, Master Lord. No, this is Jehovah, the self-existent, eternal name for God of the covenant. And he is holy and he's holy and i'm wondering although we sing about god being holy in church services and we sing along with songs being played on kbnj talking about god being holy you hear that little plug there come on i should get some tickets or something station manager all right 
some cookies or something from that giveaway. <laughs> even though we sing about holiness and we even read about God's holiness in the Bible, I wonder if we've forgotten what this actually means, that God is holy. In today's culture, church culture of you know, bro Jesus and buddy Jesus and even emo Jesus, where some worship songs sound like more of a, a love song played on the top 40 to your, guy, to your guy or gal than it does to Jesus, I wonder, have we lost the, that aspect of respect and a holy awe and wonder that the God we serve is holy? Holy. Now, the church for a long time, and, and many have probably grown up in this way, I don't know, was very legalistic, okay, which actually created many problems. But one thing that was always in the front of the legalist mind was the holiness of God and that God didn't play around with sin at all, okay? That, 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 that sad thing, though, is that created a sort of warped thinking that the legalists always had this view of an angry God but it seems like in the church world, especially over the last 20, 25 years, the pendulum has seemed to swing all the way over to the other side to the point of hyper-grace. Hyper-grace. And the holiness of God seems to have morphed into, God is just my BFF. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how much I sin. Because he just loves me. And so full of grace. He is full of grace. But he doesn't wink at sin. You know why? Because he's holy. Gang, we can never forget that. God's very nature and his very essence is holiness. He's perfect. He's set apart from all others. He's above all. He's over all. And his holiness calls for respect and worship and adoration and all and all. A-W-E, all. In the Old Testament, there's a character named Hannah. And she, was, she was found to be crying out to the Lord for a son. She wanted a son so desperately, so bad. It's the only thing she wanted, okay? And her prayer describes, the, in her prayer, she describes the Lord incredibly. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. She prayed, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. What a proclamation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there's none beside you. God has no equal. He has no competition, gang. He is above all. He's created all, and He is holy, praise the Lord. The very nature of God, the very essence of God, His, His main attribute is holiness. He's the very definition of the word. You know, that the word means to set apart, to become holy. Well, who can, what can you set God apart from to make Him holy? No, He is holy. He is utter holy. He's the very definition and standard of holy. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the prophet sees a vision of, of heaven and the Lord sitting on the throne. And there were these angels around the throne proclaiming, it's in Isaiah 6.3, holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. If you go to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, you'll see that there are creatures that are around His throne that for all eternity, all they do is cry out to God, Holy, Holy, Holy. They could have proclaimed faithful, faithful, faithful is the Lord God, right? They could have proclaimed mighty, mighty, or eternal, 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 but they used the word holy. And they repeated it and proclaimed it to God over and over again because this is the main foundational attribute of God. More than him being loving, more than him being merciful, more than him being graceful and forgiving and all the other wonderful and amazing attributes that we've even learned about God, he's holy. And all the others stem from his holiness. There's no one like our God. No one can even come close to measuring up to our God. He was holy yesterday. He's holy today. And guess what? He's going to be holy forever, praise the Lord. Can we praise God for his holiness? He's awesome, man. Praise the Lord. I challenge you, when was the last time that you just stood or sat in awe and wonder of the holiness of God? Simply worshiping him simply because he's holy. Not for what he's done, for rescuing him, but just because he's holy. God is holy, number two, we are not holy. This is what we learn. It's pretty simple, right? God is holy, number two, we are not holy. Now I know many of you picture yourself running around with a little halo on the top of your head and sorry to burst your angelic bubble, but you're not holy. We are not holy, okay? Now one time you were probably mama's little angel, but you grew up and you grew into sin. It got quite quick, didn't it? Yeah. It's like, zoop, okay. The biblical truth is this. We have all sinned. We have all sinned. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't like to hear that, do we? But gang, that's the truth. Well, Greg, that offends me. I'm sorry. I didn't write the Bible. The Lord did. And one day you will have to stand before him, not me, okay? And under the divine inspiration, Paul wrote, all of us have sinned, and that's the truth. Listen, humanity is blinded by its own goodness. Do you know that? You can go out in the street, you can go to people all over and say, hey, man, what? What do you think of the afterlife? What do you think of eternity? And, and I believe in heaven. Do you think you're going to go to heaven after you die? The majority of people are going to say this. Yeah, I, I believe I will. I've asked people this, and they've said these very words. Yeah, I, I think I'll, you know, got to get up there. Peter's going to open the gate, say, come on in, it's party time, you know, or something like that. I'm going to be allowed to go in heaven. And, but then when you ask why they think that, here's what they say. That's right, because I'm a good person. I'm going to get to heaven. God's going to let me in. Peter's going to open up that gate because I'm a, I've been a good person. The majority of people in this world mistakenly think that they are good. Now, there's some people, they know they're bad to the bone, right? 
Where's Stefan? I needed a little guitar riff on that one. We should have planned that. Right? They know. You ask them, no, I'm bad, man. I'm bad. Ooh, bad. But the majority of people are saying, no, I'm a good person. I'm not really committed to the big egregious crimes and sins that's going to lead me to prison. I've lived a good moral life, okay? I try to do my best. Look, here's a hard statement to make, but one that's very true and it's backed up by God's word. Listen to me. There will be a lot, many of good people that's going to spend an eternity in hell. And you can say, oh me or oh my, but that's the truth. Why? Because they trusted in their own goodness rather than the good person of Jesus Christ. Humanity's blinded by their own goodness. Listen, in our flesh, there is nothing good. Nothing. Paul addresses this in Romans 7, verse 18. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Isaiah speaks of this in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. He writes, all of us have become like something unclean. And all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. The New King James Version says it's like, they're like filthy rags. That's our righteousness. And you may have studied this passage before, but, but what, what the writer is talking about there in, in filthy garments is talking about used menstrual, menstrual women's garments, okay? That should just be discarded, and that's not nice, they're not pretty, should be thrown away. That's our righteousness. That's what we bring to the table. Very unclean, like a polluted garment. So we can't play that mind game that we are good enough and that's enough, that we're good people and, and that's enough. If I just keep all the rules and go to church regularly, if, if I just try to be a good person and help my neighbor and you know, do some good things here and there, that's going to be enough to get my ticket to glory and eternity. Wrong. Wrong. I just read from Isaiah, and I mentioned that the prophet Isaiah a few seconds ago and him seeing that wonderful vision of the Lord upon the throne, but do you know what his first reaction was to seeing that vision and how awesome and holy the Lord was? He didn't jump around and get excited. He didn't get all giddy or filled with emotion and start taking a bunch of pictures to put on Instagram and Facebook. Isaiah 6, 5 records his reaction. He said, woe is me. For I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the middle of people with unclean lips. And for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now we would think if we got a vision of the Lord sitting on the throne, we would think that we'd be like, dude, that was amazing. I'm going to write ten books about it. <laughs> I'm going to make a podcast about it. No. You'd be faced with your own flesh right away and your reaction would most likely be like the prophet. Woe is me. He realized in an instant how unholy he was. And that compared with the holiness of God, he was zilch, nada. He was weak sauce. Listen, I think sometimes we need to realize 
Woe is me when we think about the holiness of God and then our sins. Because that's the truth of the matter. When we stand before a holy God, we are like, woe is me. I'm a person of, of uncleanness. I'm unclean. But there's the good news. Number three, God calls us to be holy. Praise the Lord. God calls us to be holy. We see this in the New Testament in the Apostle Peter's writing in his first epistle, his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. Peter writes, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The Apostle Peter is actually quoting from the book of Leviticus here. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 in this passage. And he is echoing a clear call and a clear command from God. Be holy. Guys, it's not a choice. It's not something that we just can choose to shrug off and say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be holy today. It's Thursday. I don't feel like being a holy God, Okay. You don't get the choice, okay? He didn't say you could be holy on Sunday when you come in and get your praise on and you have a nice smile and everybody's looking at you, you know, and, or, or you're looking around and people look at you and you're like, oh, I'm going to worship the Lord, and you know. <laughs> then you're not, you're going, and then, oh, they're looking at me. I'm going to praise God, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> you don't get to choose Tuesday and Wednesday and Sunday. No, it's, it's every day all the time. He says, be holy. Since God is holy himself, he's calling us in his relational love to be holy like him. Since we are unholy, here's why I said this is good news. Since we are unholy, he could have just annihilated us the first time we ever sinned. You realize that? First time you sin, zap, you're gone. You know, when we first moved here, I don't know if some of you remember uh, Dane, Roby, and Lindsay. They used to be our drummers here and, uh, back in the day, and we, they, they had us over to their house. The, one, like the first week we got here, we saw this thing on their couch, or their, not couch, the kitchen, these two UV blue lights, and we're like, what is that? And they're like, dude, get one right away now that you moved to Corpus. There's like biblical plague on Egyptian flies all around here, and that will help you. So we started doing some work in the house. Flies got everywhere. And sure enough, we bought that with, it's beautiful. Bam, 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 they're gone. How many of you, anybody else have those in your house? Anybody? Few of you? I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing you have. Dude, it eliminates flies. Anyway, I'm not. Anyway, that's my ADHD kicking in. Sorry, guys, all right? Kind of like that fly zapper we have at home. When a fly gets too close, we hear it all night. Bam! It's gone. That's how God could have and should have treated us due to his holiness and our unholiness. That's how he should have treated us immediately when we sinned. But you know what he does? Instead, he calls us upward. He calls us upward to be holy like him, for us to grow out of sin and become like him in the person of Jesus Christ. And gang, that's where sanctification and Yehovah Mekedesh comes in. You see, just like for the Israelites, sanctification is the process of becoming holy, being different than the pagan world around us. And we would all agree that the world around us 
It's pagan, right? It's evil. It's wicked and apart from God. It's pushing God away. It's rejecting God. It's rejecting His Word at an alarming speed. And you know what's happening? We're seeing this, especially as ministers. It's infiltrating the church. So as believers, we come to Christ and we are justified when we come to Christ. Do you know what justified or justification means? It's another kind of biblical religious terms. I learned this a long time ago when I was a kid. Just if I'd never done it, all right? It's a great definition of justification and being justified, okay? So we come to Christ and we're justified. Then regeneration begins to happen in the way of sanctification. You see, we are forever justified in Jesus Christ. The finished work of the cross. Jesus paid for sins one time, amen? We are forever justified in Christ. But now, through the power of God's word and through the help of the Holy Spirit, we begin to live in a way in where we are being transformed and we can say no to sin and yes to being holy like God. Sanctification is like an ongoing process. Justification is a one-time event. Justification, one-time event. You come to Christ, you're justified. Sanctification is an ongoing process. Now, just like the Israelites, they were redeemed from slavery and bondage in Egypt for 400 years. They were redeemed from that, then began their sanctification. Guys, we're the same. We are redeemed from sin and the bondage of sin and then begins the journey of sanctification in our lives. And it's a process of becoming holy like God is. Now, you know, I tried to think of my own life. There's many examples. All right, come on. I'll give you one quick one. Can I give you a quick example of kind of this process that I'm talking about? So it was for a very short season of my life. Now, I grew up in a pastoral home, okay? There were no curse words allowed in my mom and dad's home. None. Anybody else grew up that way? Okay. Matter of fact, one time, you guys know I love movies, right? There's one movie. It was a great classic of the 80s. I've still never watched it to this day. It's the movie Stand By Me. It's where these little boys have to go and try to find this mystery that happened. Well, me and my brother Jeff were watching it. My mom was in the kitchen, and within like 15 minutes, she heard enough curse words of these boys trying to be big guys cursing and she said turn it off <laughs> she said turn it off we are not going to have that in our house <laughs> i don't think you got that loud that's all right she actually came in and i think she turned it off herself <laughs> and to this day i've never seen that movie okay all right it's on netflix who said that thank you all right i'm a little older now i guess right ptsd okay <laughs> thanks thanks dario all right but for a short season now get this in my life when i was at bible college okay wanted to be a minister i began to say a lot of wordy dirds you know what wordy dirds are okay oh boy i know there's kind of navy town there's a lot of people in the navy i don't mean to be but the the, the expression is cursing like a sailor i don't know who was that guy that got that in there okay but that was me all right I remember even at a softball game, I had a professor who was playing on the other team. We're in, we're in the playoffs, man. I'm at second base. I grew up playing the game. I know how to play the game. Me and my brother were really, really good, okay? 
I let this ground ball go right by me. Dude, the, the mouth just went crazy. I had a friend who was the referee on second base. He said, Greg, you've got, whoa, buddy, you've got it. You, you. It was embarrassing to talk about it. But there for a short time, I had allowed this to get into my life, and it became really bad. And so I prayed, Lord, I can't have this. I'm studying to be a minister, God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Now, did it just like, poof, go away? No, okay. The Holy Spirit would begin to convict me. He would check me. He would correct me. I would have to apologize to people. You know what I mean? And I prayed and I yielded to him. I would fall in that. I'd let it slide and then the Holy Spirit would convict me. I would come back to the Lord and he changed my heart and he changed my soul until I grew out of that and didn't need to do that anymore. Gang, as a follower of Christ, as his disciple, you should be able to look back on your life and say, God has grown me out of those sins. Yes? Amen? I was talking to my dad about this the other day, or just last night or the other night. He said when he became a believer, he was three years smoking like 18 packs of cigarettes a day. No, it wasn't that many. I don't know. No. But he was, and he knew, and the, 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 but the Lord was, was convicting him about that. And, 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 and he was, you know, praying and yielding to the Lord about that. And God grew him out of that. He said eventually he began just getting, got, like year three would just get sick, really sick. And finally he like put him under his seat and God grew him out of that. No, my own father-in-law, Megan's dad, testified one time. He was in a church service. He had grown up in South Carolina and did a lot of, of, of smoking. It was kind of the culture there, but he, he felt like God wanted, he, he didn't want that to be in his life, that God wanted him to surrender that, and so he did. He, he got prayed at, at a service, and he, he actually put, he says, the cigarette pack on his dash as a kind of a test, and he said, I never, never had the desire again. That's sanctification, guys. That's, these things are sanctification. How God grows us out of sin and transforms us through the Holy Spirit and his word to be like Jesus Christ. Guys, get this. The Lord who sanctifies us, he loves us, he's patient with us and towards us, and he helps us grow out of those things and calls us upward. It's not a license to sin. Paul writes about that in Romans some will say, we've been justified, so now we can do what we want. No. Paul says, forbid it. He says, lay aside the sin, cast it off that besets you and traps you up, okay? Listen, God says to be different, to be like me. That's his call for us. Be different, be like me. That's being holy living differently, thinking differently, acting differently, treating our money differently, entertaining ourselves differently, even dressing differently than the mindset and the ethos of this sinful, wicked world. 
Now, this isn't about works. It's not if I do these things, then I'm holy and then I'm righteous. No, we do it as the Holy Spirit transforms us to be like Jesus and then we begin to live sanctified, holy lives following Jesus Christ. We, we read in 1 Peter 15, 16, or chapter 1, verse 15, 16, where God says to be holy like I'm holy. But in verse 14, Peter encourages his readers to no longer conform to the behaviors and the passions and the lust which they lived in before they came to Christ. See, gang, that's what the world lives for. Passion, lusts, and behaviors that are, are not good, they're not holy, and they're not like Jesus Christ. And we're today living in, as I like how one writer put it, in moral quicksand in our society, right? People saying that there's no absolutes, no moral absolutes today. Everyone's living with their own personal truth instead of the absolute truth and the authority of God's word. We're living today where moral values shift and change depending on really what the latest TikTok trend is and that values and morals actually should be established by the prevailing community with the loudest voices getting their way or by consensus or even by the vote of the people. We will dictate our morality based on the vote of the people. Because there's no moral absolutes. Listen, this only leads to disaster, heartache, confusion, and ultimately spiritual death, Proverbs 14, 12. God is looking for a people who will be holy, they'll be sanctified, and they will be different. Set apart from the world and set apart for Him and His purposes and His glorious work. Set apart to stand on His holy word and not compromise with His word because of the pressures of the world. Set apart to shine the light of Christ to this dark world. Set apart to testify of the hope and the mercy and the grace and the love that we found in Jesus Christ. Set apart to testify to the world how good and how holy God is and how he's reaching out to everyone. Gang, this is spiritual growth. Sanctification. The process of becoming holy. Jake, if you and the team want to come up, not, not following the standards of the world, but following the standards of what God has said, which are a reflection of his holy character. Guys, the truth is we have to emulate the holy character of God, Jehovah Makedesh. And you can ask yourself right now, are you, am I more like the world or more like Christ? in my thoughts, in my entertainment, in my lifestyles, in my behavior, in my hobbies, in my pursuits, in my passions. I'm not talking about perfection. Paul writes about that. We will not be perfected until we are with Christ on that day. But holiness has got to be our aim. It's got to be our goal. That's what we're shooting for, growing more like Jesus every single day of our lives. And you've heard me say that a lot over the last two years since we've been here. Guess what? I will say it a hundred thousand times more probably to be more like Jesus and less like the world. That's our call, okay? And in a sermon like you, you may say, well, Greg, are you saying we can make ourselves holy? 
Is this something we can do on our own and in our own effort? No. I've tried to go down that route. I've tried to become holy, trying to follow God's word in, in the things that I could do in my own strength and my own power and my own, my, my own spiritual fervency. And guess what? I didn't get very far. It was a struggle. It was a mental war, big time, okay? Simply put, we can't make ourselves holy, but we learn through the word of God, Jesus makes us holy, gang. Going back to the Isaiah the prophet, seeing the vision of the holiness of the Lord and realizing how sinful and unholy he was and saying, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Look what happens next in Isaiah 6, verses 5 through 7. And I said, woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Do you see it in this passage? Do you see the foreshadowing of what Christ does for us? Praise the Lord. Jesus paid for our sins at the cross, right? And our sins are atoned for. Jesus paid for our unholiness so that in Him and through Him we can be holy as well. And it's only in Jesus and only through Jesus because he's our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 and 2 Corinthians 5.21 speaks about that. But Greg, you're, you're always up there talking about Jesus paying for our sins on the cross like every single week. Get used to it. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. It's, that's, that's our foundation, guys. That's our very hope. That's the only true hope we have. I can talk about pop things and cultural topics all I want to but if we don't talk about the cross if I don't I'm not doing you any good because the cross is where it all happened Jesus took your unholiness he took your sin he took your transgression he put it on himself he was the perfect lamb that was slain for all of us I've talked about that big gap that was between us and God because of our sin. We couldn't, we couldn't even approach a holy God but because of Jesus and what he did. He bridged it. There's a graphic out there. You can see it on the internet. I should have got it for the computer. But it's got this big gap and it's, it's the cross and the cross beams is the bridge that's gapping us and a holy God. Hallelujah! Dude, that's awesome! We can't even approach God in our own unrighteousness, but because of Jesus, He bridged the gap. Amen? And when we come to Him and give our lives to Him, we become His disciples. We have a relationship with Him. He forgives, of our, forgives us of our sins. The Holy Spirit takes residence in our lives, and He begins that process of changing us making us more like Him, less like the world, more holy. Our text, see, we, we do have a part in this. 
And the Holy Spirit transforms us on the inside. But our text says to consecrate yourself. Sanctify yourself. How do we do that? We follow Christ. That's our part. That's how we, when we see this word, God says, consecrate, sanctify yourself. We follow Christ. We get into His Word. And we allow the Holy Spirit to change us on the inside out. When we hear His voice or His nudge or a conviction saying, hey, this hobby's not good for you. You probably shouldn't be watching this. You probably shouldn't be talking like this. You probably shouldn't be getting drunk every single weekend. You probably need to turn off that internet website. You, you probably should stop hanging around that kind of people. The Holy Spirit does that when we hear that and we yield to Him and say, I hear you, Lord. Change me. You take that prayer He'll do His part. He'll change us. And next thing you know, as we're walking with Christ, we'll look back and say, whoa, that used to trip me up. That used to hold me down. But Jesus has delivered me. He set me free. And I have true freedom. I have true peace. All because of the sanctifying work of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his word and Jehovah Mekedesh. Amen? Amen? Woo! Man, I feel really good. I could preach for another like 30 minutes, but I'm not going to. We're going to take communion. Holy communion. Amen? Listen, I want us to sing this song, Defender. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And as we do, come to the aisles, sing loud. Let's worship Jesus. Grab elements. Go back to your seat. I'll lead us in the scripture at that point in time. But as you do, prepare your heart. If you don't know Christ, if He's not your Savior or your Lord, as you're sitting there or walking, say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. I want to be your follower. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. Paul says not to do this unless you've done that. Make Him your priority. Because this is celebrating what He's done for us, His body and His blood. And as you're walking, say, Lord, change me. Change me. Change me. Amen. Come on, let's get our elements this morning as we sing. Mm. Whew, Jesus.